What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Krista Palmer has had dreams of going to the Olympics since she was five years old. Her journey to reaching that goal has been anything but what she expected it to be. At age 29, Krista is seeing her 24-year goal come to fruition as she gets ready to head to Tokyo for the 2020 Olympics. Krista started her Olympic journey at the young age of five years old in the sport of gymnastics. After a series of knee injuries in her teenage years, she transitioned her dreams to the sport of trampoline. More injuries kept her from pursuing trampoline, but just when she was prepared to give up her dreams and go to school full-time, she discovered diving at the age of 20. Now, nine years later, Krista became the first woman to qualify for two different diving events in the same Olympic Games. Krista's story is one of dedication, perseverance, and mental toughness. She shared with us many lessons that she's learned along the way and how she stays motivated and positive no matter what life throws at her. Good luck in Tokyo, Krista, and we will be cheering for you. Krista Palmer, welcome to the Right Place Right Now podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about it. It's actually my first podcast. So here we go. Nice. Well, you just shared with us before you got on that you had multiple national media outlets in your face. So you're not unfamiliar with this setting. Very. That is true. (laughs) We're geared up for it. (laughs) Nice. A little coaching in the background. Yep. So I kind of just want to get into it. You actually qualified for two events. First time qualifying for the Olympics, correct? Yes. The first event you qualified for was the synchro, I believe. You're correct. What is that moment whenever you get out of the pool and you realized you made the Olympic team? What's that like? Oh, my goodness. Well, I got super emotional, especially because it was the first event that I qualified in. And my family was there to experience it all with me. So that was just really special for me. And honestly, I just looked up at them when I qualified because my family has just had a huge role in all my athletic journey. And just to see them there celebrating it with me, that got me so emotional. And obviously then I did it with my synchronized partner. And so she's getting out of the pool next to me. And the first thing I was thinking is just like, I need to give her this huge hug, like just celebrate with her because we did, we did it together. And so, I mean, I was emotional. I was crying. It gave me the chills and to hear her say, we made it like that was just an incredible moment. Oh, that's so awesome. I saw some video of your family. Actually, they had hats they were putting on each other and cheering around. And it must have been your dad that was up and shouting and shaking his arms. (laughs) Yeah, my parents were there. My grandma and a few of my aunts were there. And it was, yeah, it was honestly so special. Uh, My dad gets super emotional. So he's crying up there. I can see like the video replays of his face just so red and he's crying and He just, yeah, he really, I mean, he's been through it all with me and just to see them there um, celebrating that moment was unbelievable. So you also qualified for the individual three meter, is that correct? I did, yes. And I, did I also see that as, that's a first as well? Are are you the first woman to qualify for two events? Is that what the, the first is there? Yeah. I guess we made some history there. I didn't know that until I saw some postings on um, my cheering for Krista page on Facebook and it said history's been made. And I was like, what, what is that about? And so, yeah, so that was really cool to um, really be a part of history in that way. I mean, um, I guess the first woman to go is um, on both events is what that history was. So that was pretty cool. That is so cool. How, how does that give us some insight into the difference between synchronized diving? Cause you've got to be flawlessly on point with your partner and your pair. So I assume that's got different training and stuff than just your dives and your own technical aspects of the individual. Yep. 
Yeah, so uh, a lot of the dives that we compete individually, we also will end up competing uh, synchronized. And so uh, when we first matched up, that's kind of our target goal is, okay, which dives are we matching up the best on? Because that is the goal to be in sync with each other and um, to time up those dives is really crucial for that specific event. And so um, we choose based on what syncs up the best and then we compete those dives together. Um, so she is um, a diver. She dives in Austin, Texas, and then I dive here in Reno, Nevada. So we don't train together all the time, but that's okay. We're always brought together every once in a while before competitions and whatnot to make sure our timing is still lining up. And I mean, in order to be a good synchronized team, you also have to have good individual dives too. So, you know, it, it would be best case for us to always have trainings together, but that's just not possible. And I mean, we, we do what we can to make it work and we match up. Um, I'll go train with her. She'll come here to train with me. So we'll, we'll get that in before we go to competition. So that's how that works. That kind of blows my mind. I thought you all would be together all the time. Like you said, you'd have roommates coming in and I thought that would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a lot of people think that, and I don't know it and it seems impossible, but I mean, we make it work and USA diving supports us in in making good synchronized teams. I mean, they support me to get over to Austin, Texas to go train with her and whatnot. So yeah, so we get those opportunities, um, which, yeah, then in turn, we can perform well together. So you haven't always been a diver, though. You started diving eight years ago, but you've been competing since you were, what, five years old? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my background. I mean, I started in gymnastics at the age of five. And I mean, one of my coaches just wrote me on Facebook the other day of a memory that she remembers me coming up to her at the age of five saying, I'm going to be an Olympian one day. And I don't remember saying that, but like, it was cute to hear her say that that was a goal of mine when I was the age of five. And um, realistically, I, I thought I had a, an opportunity as a Olympic gymnast. And so I trained for seven years in gymnastics and I was on tops national team and um, really just progressed my way through the sport of gymnastics until I had a knee injury that really set me back. And, you know, as gymnasts, we like your, your growth is stunted. Um, so once I had that knee injury, it really slowed down um, every life for me. And I just shot up. I got so tall and all of a sudden I'm trying to return back to gymnastics in this whole new body and it just, with the injury, it was, it was hard to make a comeback. So at that time, then I saw somebody at my gym jumping on the trampoline. And I guess there was a program that she was in and it really piqued my interest because I love the trampoline. When I was a gymnast, I was, you would always catch me on the trampoline. So much fun jumping high and, and whatever. And so I really had my heart on the trampoline and I really made that transition and decided it was time to focus on that sport. And it had then become an Olympic event. Um, and then it really became a reality for me to pursue trampoline as a sport and potentially then be um, on the Olympic team for trampoline. And so I just pursued it and I was in trampoline for about eight years. And through that, I mean, I had another knee injury uh, where I tore my ACL and my MCL and my LCL and my meniscus, like all of the above. Um, the knee up. And that, yeah. So that was a really big setback for me in the sport of trampoline. And um, I knew at that moment that if I was going to be able to come back into the sport, that I needed to be stronger than I was before my injury. And that was my biggest goal coming back from that injury specifically, because I knew I wanted to come back and I knew that that dream was still possible, but I needed to pursue being stronger um, in my sport and mentally tougher and all of that. And so I made a comeback and I actually moved down to Southern California for a little while to go train with a really elite team. And um, this was before competing at world age group championships. And um, I actually then blew out my knee again and oh, same, same knee. knee. Yep. 
So I've had one surgery on my left knee and two on my right. And um, I was planning to go to Paris to go compete there. And that just, that didn't line up um, in my, in my goal, or I guess in my destiny or whatever. And so I really just had to pull back and say, you know, is my health more important than my sport? And that was a really hard decision for me. I still went to Paris and I was Team USA's biggest cheerleader at that competition. You know, I was on crutches, walking on those little cobblestone sidewalks, making the best of the experience, but really disappointed that I couldn't compete. And really my Olympic dream was pretty close to being shattered at that moment. And uh, yeah, so I came back home, I got the surgery, and I decided to get into just going to school and being a NARP, you know, a normal person. <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, I lived that life for a little while. And then I met somebody who was a diver, and he knew of the diving coach at Nevada and said, Hey, come in, like, she said, come, come see me, you know, pick up this sport for fun. And let's see where we can take it. And so I dove with her um, in on her club team. And then, I mean, the rest is history. She said, keep coming back. And she offered me that walk-on spot on our university team. And so I went from being a walk-on student athlete at the age of 20, just picking up diving um, and really not knowing what diving could turn into. So the fact that we're here is kind of unbelievable. To me, this journey has just taken me so far, farther than I thought it would ever go. <laughs> you knew at the age of five. I hate to contradict you, but you knew at the age of five. That it was going to happen. <laughs> so we made it happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's, I mean, I have so many questions, but I want to go back to when you were five and you were saying, I'm going to be an Olympian someday. I mean, most, most five-year-olds can't even tie their shoes yet. <laughs> you know, how, like, what, what, have you always been that driven and that, that vision oriented? Is it something you learned? I mean, at five years old, it has to be somewhat, somewhat nature. Yeah. I think what just piqued my interest so much was flipping was fun and jumping off the couches at home was fun and climbing trees was a blast. Like, and my, I think my parents at that time, they, it, seen what danger I could get in as a child. And they, they really, at that moment were like, okay, we probably got to get her into something where she can learn how to maneuver her body and not get hurt. <laughs> so yeah, entering into gymnastics was just, I loved it. And I mean, we watched the Olympics when I was so young and I just dreamed of being on TV one day. <laughs> That's my little five-year-old mind, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, so you were even, you were just self-driven at that point even. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to always pass up the person next to me. And I knew that, you know, maybe not at that young of age, but as I started to grow as a young gymnast, like getting serious in the sport, I knew that in order to be competitive and, you know, reach the top that I needed to be doing more than what my teammate is doing. And so as a kid, my, my dad really influenced me a lot and motivated me. And I said to him one day, I said, dad, I, you know, I go home, I went home and talked to him about this. And I said, you know, the coach told me to do 20 V ups, but I did 21. And so he was like, so he kind of encouraged that from that moment forward and said, uh, did you do one more than the coach asks? And so that day forward, I mean, he really motivated me to keep that mindset and, you know, knowing that I put in that hard work as a kid and now it, now it's paid off. It's just really, really cool. It seems from an outside perspective, not knowing your story that you just burst onto the scene overnight success. You've only been doing this for six years. You don't have the background in diving, just voila, here I am everybody pay attention, right? Even going back and watching some of the replay, they, the commentators are talking about your, your performance is pretty dominant. But you made a statement that I think ties that together. Whenever you tore your knee and you said, I need to come back stronger than my leg was before. Is that just how, I mean, do you approach other things in your life with that kind of mentality? Or is it just, this is who I am as a swimmer, as an athlete? Yeah, I really can relate this to the pandemic that we just went through. And 
you know, when they said, okay, there's, you know, the Olympics is going to be postponed and you're given another year. And, you know, I, I chose, there's two different ways I could have looked at it. And so, I mean, I chose to look at it really as an opportunity and chose to turn the adversity that we were faced with into an opportunity. And so carrying that mentality of be stronger than I was before my injury, I really faced the pandemic in that same kind of scenario. And I wanted to be stronger than I was before the pandemic. Coming out of it and moving forward past COVID times, my goal was really to be stronger than I was before. And I knew that there was going to be adversity that I faced, um, but I knew I had the support around me from coaches and friends and family that I can push through this too. If I can push through three knee surgeries, I can push through this too. <laughs> what kind of setbacks were there like specifically with COVID moving the Olympics? What did that do? Did it, what, did it mess up your training schedule? Did it, I mean, what, what were the, the consequences of that for you? Yeah, first, I mean, our weight room was shut down and that was really, really scary. That was the moment we thought we knew that things were coming. And so our, actually, we were supposed to take a China training trip um, before Olympic trials. So we were going to do a pre-Olympic trials training trip in China for a month, a little over a month, actually. And so we had this plan and that was actually the first thing that got canceled um, because you know, that all started up in China. And so I think from there, we were like, okay, now, you know, China's going through it. Are we going to go through it too? And then things started to close down. So the weight room closed down and then the pool shut down. And so before all that shut down, we tried to grab as much equipment as we could. And so from the pool, we grabbed um, a giant mat so we could do somersaults at my friend's apartment. And I also had a good friend who's a weight coach at Nevada and she was able to grab a barbell and some, some weights. And so we lifted weights in her neighborhood during the pandemic because the weight room was shut down. Everything um, was shut down. And so knowing that we had those resources, they weren't the resources we needed. I didn't have a diving board. I didn't have a pool, none of that, but we had the resources of, you know, weight training and doing somersaults and diving related conditioning that we could still get something out of this time where we're not just laying around doing nothing. So you don't practice synchronized swimming with your synchro partner and you didn't practice diving during COVID and you're diving. Like, how do you keep the focus of, I've got to turn all this into a performance at the end of the day that people are judging and rating and I've got to show up and nail it. Yeah. When we, when our pool shut down, I really did a lot of visualization. And so I've heard of the benefits of visualization as an athlete. And especially during times when you don't have a facility or even times when you're injured, just closing your eyes and really just imagining yourself diving and feeling your muscles kind of work through it. That's, really what I leaned on um, during those times. And yeah, we didn't have a pool. We didn't have those, um, you know, the diving board that we needed to train on, but I knew mentally that I could still stay in the game. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so as an athlete, you're just, you're, you're constantly being faced with roadblocks and obstacles. And uh, I mean, Brandon and I both grew up playing sports at a, a small level. So, um, nothing, nothing world-class, but you know, the, the competition's the same, uh, internally. So you're always building mental toughness as a kid, you know, all the, all through your career. Is there, do you have one of those like turning point moments where you just wanted to give up and throw in the towel and you didn't and, and you got through it? Uh, is there, is there like a specific moment that you can think of? Yeah, I think when I moved on from the sport of trampoline and really diving was kind of newer in my mind. Um, actually, I didn't know of diving at that time. And so in my mind, it was, I made a list of continuing athletics, continuing trampoline, or doing, you know, going to school, pursuing a career, all of that 
so I made a list of, you know, pros and cons of each and pursuing trampoline was, you know, put your body at risk, you know, having maybe another surgery lined up down the road where my body can't really take it um, again. And I mean, also other things like I was starting to get a little bit older and whatnot. And so I guess I then made the college and the career side of things. And, you know, it was great to pursue that part of life. And I knew that, you know, someday I'll have to do that. And I think that was really the moment where it was kind of that I need to probably give this up for my own health. And that was really scary for me. Um, that it, it did feel like giving up. But I think there was just another opportunity that was around the corner for me, at least, that I was so excited to be able to pursue. And just knowing that then when diving came up, that I have an opportunity to still continue doing what I love, which is athletics and sports. So I think not giving up and knowing that there's just another opportunity around the corner, whether that be in your sport or life in general, is just pursuing, pursuing that. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's, a, that is a key to this story. You had given up trampoline at this point. You didn't even know about diving yet. Right. But you were always looking for the opportunity and the opportunity for diving came up and you took it. So I think that's the key right there is, is, yeah, I'm giving this up, but something else is going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to watch for it and I'm going to be ready for it. Yeah. And that was scary. I mean, pursuing a sport that I was so new to me and I'm starting over, I'm starting fresh and, you know, I could still go back to trampoline, which I have so much experience in, but starting something new was a little bit scary for me, intimidating at that time, um, seeing if my body can handle it, all of that. And I think I just, I was given the, the go from I, God, I really believe that, that he was lined this up for me and just said, okay, let's, let's start something new. Let's, and for me, it was like, okay, let's, let's see where it goes. <laughs> so you bought into the opportunity right away, even though you knew you'd be starting over, you have all this experience over here on trampoline, this, maybe not starting from the bottom. Cause you're a good athlete, obviously, but there's a lot to that, right? New skill sets to learn. How does that play into, I want to talk about kind of away from the gymnastics and the the trampoline, your everyday life. Like, how do you maintain these crazy workout schedules, a career, college, knowing that you're probably not going to be a multimillionaire as a diver and set for the rest of your life? You've probably got some other things also operating in the background. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah, as an athlete, you're, you're well, a diving athlete, you're never going to be a millionaire, I think. That, I, that just is plain and simple. That's how it is. But knowing that that's what you enjoy to do, that's what keeps me going. And I think, you know, when I kind of had this opportunity, my coach was adamant about, you know, come keep coming and keep training and let's see where this goes. And then she called me up and she said, I want you on my team like next semester, which is in a month. And so it was just like, boom, boom, boom. These things are kind of here they are. This is the opportunity. Take it or not. Like the train is moving. You either get on or don't. <laughs> so, yeah, I think in that way, it's just that opportunity was there and it was really cool to, you know, pursue that something new and exciting. So did you finish the degree program there? Did you graduate? And then, cause you became a scholarship athlete or did you take off to pursue the Olympic dream? with the intent of, I think I saw somewhere like you either were planning on going back or you had some afterwards career aspirations. Yeah, I finished my degree at Nevada and actually, so I came in as a walk-on athlete my freshman year and my coach kept rewarding me. She said, you work hard, I'll reward you. And so the next, next year I came in, I was on 30% scholarship. And then she said, keep working hard. Like I'll keep rewarding you. And by my junior year, she offered me a full ride scholarship. And so that was just an awesome opportunity for me to take. And I don't have any student loans. Like it's just unbelievable what this journey has really blessed me with along the way. And now in my, I mean, I've graduated with my bachelor's degree at Nevada. And um, just recently this last 
over the pandemic, it really made me think like, okay, what is life outside of athletics? And um, Team USA sent me an email and said, hey, we're partnered with DeVry University. And, you know, if you want to apply for a scholarship to pursue your education further, um, here's the link. And I was, that just got my mind working. I was, I've always wanted to go back to school and further my education. And so I decided, um, well, they offered me a full ride tuition scholarship to get an MBA. And that's just unbelievable in my eyes too, because I mean, that's just through Team USA, I mean, there's more and more opportunities around the corner. So it's really been awesome to pursue education further, but also, you know, be able to focus on my sport at this time in my life too. Congrats on that. That's no small thing either. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like though, when an opportunity comes, you're pretty, uh, pretty quick to say <laughs> yes to it. Is, yeah. is, there, oh, yeah. is there any opportunity that you don't say yes to? <laughs> You know, I think when when things are lining up so perfectly and, you know, I I ask God for a lot of things, decisions in my life. And he's always my somebody I turn to like, what do I do? And, you know, and I think with this full ride tuition scholarship with Team USA, that really was that, OK, that go ahead, like, let's let's kick it and go. And so um, I think when things just line up, though, that that's really meant to be. And so, um, I don't know where I'll take the MBA quite yet. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for what I can do with it, but, um, really I'm just kind of taking it step by step here. <laughs> Walk us through a day. I mean, I, I assume you're doing two a days, maybe not now. Cause you just came off of trials, but you've got to be working out to be on that level, unless you're just, you are a phenomenal athlete, but to me, it just seems like you would be in the gym all the time. <laughs> it doesn't leave much time for the rest of your life. Does it? <laughs> day in the life of Krista. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it, my training has changed so much now that I'm a little bit older because, um, now I'm 29 years old. And so I am a little bit older of an athlete. And so my training style has changed from what it was when I was younger. And I, um, I really think that I put in the hard work when I was young and now I really just have to maintain and you get to an elite level of athletics and there's really just fine tuning that you have to do. And so, um, my training is not substantially as, as much of a load as it used to be when I was young, but I do, I, I go to the weight room in the morning, typically eight 30 to nine 30 or 10. And then I come back home. I, I munch on some food, make sure I get some good recovery and maybe some rest. And then I go back to the pool in the afternoon and we do dry land workouts. So we jump on a springboard that goes onto a mat, a huge mat. And so um, that is a specific style of training. So we really focus on the takeoff of a dive. And then once we're done with dry land training, then we get in the water and we then do our dives from, you know, most basic dives to our harder optional dives and then after that, maybe there's some time for conditioning, diving conditioning, and then we um, come back home, eat again, and then sleep and repeat. <laughs> wow, that's that is that's crazy. That's a, just a crazy schedule. How how do you keep that schedule up continuously without burning out mentally? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nutrition is big for me. I I didn't develop this skill until. I was a gymnast and we had a nutritionist come talk to us about uh, nutrition and how important it is. And once I kind of started down that road and getting some healthier snacks in, at my parents' house, I, I really started to notice the benefit of how much nutrition really fuels you and helps you recover. And so I'm big on nutrition. Um, I mean, sleep is a huge part of it. I think sleep is the number one thing any athlete can pay attention to and get better at. And I mean, also my coach is really awesome. She really understands the, the work-life balance. And so she's be, she's willing to give me time off. Like after Olympic trials, we, we did take a bit of time off cause that was a long competition and it was emotional, emotionally draining, physically draining. And so um, the fact that she allows me and my body to rest uh, and recover 
and also, you know, have some fun. Like you got to enjoy the journey. And so that's really how I don't burn out. I feel like. Was that the same as a kid? I mean, as, as a kid, you're, you're, you have this crazy sports life at a high level, uh, since age five and like normal kids have sleepovers and, you know, <laughs> play video games with friends. And, but I, I mean, I would, I would imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but probably competing at that level. I mean, did, did you have to sacrifice some of that? Yeah. Sacrifices has really been the story of my life. And, you know, I, I think about when I'm not an athlete, all the things that I can do. And then I have to remember, remind myself, no, 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 come back to the present moment. This is where we're at. This is why we're doing what we do because, you know, yeah, as a kid, I was getting out of elementary school early to go drive up to Reno, which was an hour away to go to gymnastics practice. It lasted four and a half, five hours, and then come drive an hour back to get home. And um, I mean, there was sacrifices. I did homework on the road. It was, you know, all those things just to make sure that I could maintain life. And I mean, as an now an adult and training, there's a lot of things that I would love to do. I'd love to go out and, you know, hang out with friends and have drinks, you know, every weekend or, you know, go out mountain biking or snowboarding, like all these fun things that I like to do. Um, but they're dangerous. I mean, it's putting my body at risk and my health at risk. And so these sacrifices have really just uh, been so important to me um, to make in this in this career journey because that's that's my dream. I'm chasing after it. I'm the only one that can tackle it. Is that a hard decision for you? Because I saw you would be a professional snowboarder if you could, right? So you'd switch Olympic seasons. You'd be a Winter Olympian. Oh yeah. Is that if your friends are going up and they got the boards mounted to the to the rack, and they're inviting you? Is that a hard conversation do you have with yourself or are you pretty much black and white? Nope, this is not healthy. I'm out. Yeah. A lot of my roommates, they're into all the outdoors, um, sports. And so they're always loading up, like you say, loading up the car with their snowboards or their mountain bikes. And, uh, you know, obviously I'd love to be a part of that. And I think just knowing that one day I can be one day I can, I can live out, those like hobbies but as of right now i know what's important and those sacrifices need to be made in order to um continue on on this journey and this path towards my dream do you have any practical tips or advice for somebody to be able to develop that kind of discipline i mean that is a high level of like, you have to be so disciplined that for it to be that black and white i feel like most people don't have that. Is that something that somebody can develop or is it more natural or a combination? How did, how do you do it? You know, that was a hard learning lesson for me. Uh, when I just entered into the college as a student athlete, you know, I had a job and I, I really, I was a walk-on athlete. So I needed to make a living still and have a job to support myself. And really just knowing, like learning that diving came first and my coach would set practices literally the night before. So I wouldn't know our weekly schedule and a lot of things I would have to change based around my diving practices. And it was really a hard transition at first. I remember thinking like, this is so unfair. You know, I, I love diving, but I also need to make a living and really just uh, that, I mean, time, time can only tell, I think, um, sacrifices they're they're up to you to make them, I think. And it's, it's your choice to really deem what's important to you. And I place so much value on achieving this dream in my life. And I've been pursuing it for so long that making those sacrifices are pretty easy for me now. What was your self-talk? Like when something comes up and you say, well, I can either go snowboarding with my friends or I can do the right thing. Uh, you know, you're a 12 year old, 14 year old kid. That's a lot of maturity at that age to be able to even discern that. Like what was your self-talk to be able to stick to your commitments? Yeah, for me, I mean, I just knew that if I did this today, how is it going to make me feel tomorrow? 
And I think it was a lot of trial and error. You know, I would do something, I'd go snowboarding the day before, and then the next day my practice would be so hard. And so I think it was really a lot of trial and error. I think, you know, it's taken some humility to actually realize like, okay, yeah, we need to make that sacrifice no matter what. <laughs> and a lot of learning, you know, that just comes with with the the nature of sports. It's a lot of learning and you realize what helps your performance and what hurts your performance. And so um, really understanding and, and experiencing day-to-day life of you know those things that are hurting my performance and then being disappointed at that next practice like oh I shouldn't have done that you know that's just that that comes with learning (laughs) something we'd all could learn (laughs) 37 years old I still have a hard time with that (laughs) (laughs) no it's a lifelong learning lesson You can let the rails off though, after you've decided, you know, all right, I'm done. I can lay diving aside. The Olympics are over. Now I can just do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a feeling someone like you will probably find some opportunity and commit wholeheartedly to it. Do you have any vision of that or are you just present diving? Is it, this is your life right now? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I have kind of my career goals in the back of my mind. We sometimes can and cannot control those, but uh, ultimately I would like to give back to the sports that, you know, really made me who I am and give back to kids, young kids that are pursuing their dreams and really have an impact and be an inspiration to them. So I'd love to coach. I'd love to get into maybe being a head coach at a university um, on a di- on a diving team. And that would be awesome. And I think also a gymnastics coach or trampoline coach or some, some youth diving program, something along those lines that I can give back to um, and just maybe be an inspiration to young kids that, that are dreaming big. So if, if I've learned anything from this conversation, it's that you're going to take that MBA and create a coaching empire. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> maybe a fitness training gym, maybe a gymnastic center with a diving center, all of that. <laughs> all in one. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about your physical schedule. You're going to the gym, you're working out, you're doing dry land workouts. What's the mentality training? Because I noticed in the videos, whenever you guys are going through the trials, you're visualizing, I assume when you're on the board, you're taking your breaths, you're getting ready to take your steps into your dive. Do you have a mental practice? I know you did a lot of visualization during COVID, but is that a normal part of your routine? You know, I should take advantage of it more than I do. Um, I am really grateful for my background in gymnastics because I really, it taught me how to compete and how to perform and how to love performing. And so I get to a competition and I'm just so excited to be there competing. I think it just gives me so much energy. But aside from, from that, I mean, I talked to a sports psychologist and that's on a typically a weekly basis. And her and I just walk through a lot of, you know, things that either I'm facing that I'm going through in my sport or in life, because everything that happens in around your life is also going to affect your sport. And so I'm really lucky that I have her to talk to um, just about what I'm going through and really gain some insight on, on what to do about some things. And um, she's really, really helpful. That's been a huge benefit to me. And other than that, I mean, I watch a lot of video diving divers that are international divers, Chinese divers, So I'm mentally training. I'm watching somebody who's better than me, somebody whose technique I like a lot better than mine or something I want to learn and pick up on. And I just know that diver is someone I look up to that I'll watch, I'll watch video a lot. And I also watch my own video a lot too. I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, (laughs) which helps me in my sport of diving. (laughs) So you're, you're in this in-between time now, you said you got some time off after the trials. What is your time between now and when do you guys, when do you actually leave for Tokyo? We leave on July 17th. So we've got from now, I think about three weeks of training. Okay. 
So is this like other sports? Like I know if you're in track and field or in swimming, there's, there's a taper, there's a buildup and then let your body recover. Is that similar to this? Are you doing, are you in some sort of like buildup and then recovery leading into that? Or what is your schedule look like going into Tokyo? Yeah. I mean, my coach, I really leave a lot of that in, in her mind and not, so it's not in my mind. Um, she's great with my training. I trust her a hundred percent. Uh, I was a little worried going into Olympic trials because we didn't rest at all before uh, getting on the plane. And actually I was, I was sore from a workout that I had just done. Um, and then I got on the plane, I was still sore. And I was like, is this bad? I, I don't, I feel like I need to rest. And so I talked to her about, it. I was like, are we going to rest? And, you know, she helped me understand it a little bit better because Olympic trials was a week and a half long. And you know, I would get there and my first event was synchronized, but I still needed to be strong to complete and um, do well in my individual competition. And so her mentality and her focus for it was really don't, don't rest until we get there. And then from that moment we get there, it's, we're not training and diving as much because, you know, you get to a competition, it's time to just show what you have. You're not really learning anything new or getting better as an athlete at that time. It's, it's really just do what you know how to do. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we taper a little bit, but not very much, not like a swimmer would. So this is your first Olympics. You've done some international competition before. Does this, does the Olympics feel different? Yeah. I mean, well, it's very similar, I think to a world championships, uh, but I've never been, so I don't know. Um, world championships, I went in 2017 and also 2019, and they also have an opening ceremony. And so I've gotten to experience literally the best moments. Um, I think opening ceremony is one of the coolest things you can ever experience as an athlete. And so that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most at the Olympic games is just to walk in the opening ceremony and, that yeah i'm looking forward to that the most and so in some ways i think it is a lot um it's very similar to a world championships it may feel a little bit different but i honestly i don't know what to expect fully until i'm really there yeah i, I just i don't know as a spectator watching it on tv i feel like there's just something special about the olympics yeah oh it's my favorite time and watching it from back home it's finally the media is positive and uplifting and, you know, motivating. And it's just, I think watching athletes stories and their journeys and what they've been through and all of that is really encouraging for people that watch. And I, man, I wish it came around more than once every two years, you know? Yeah. I find myself glued to the TV every time the Olympics is on. Yeah. I'm like, why? Awesome. I'm watching ribbon gymnastics. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> but it's but the it's Olympics. So cool. You got to watch. It's so cool. <laughs> yep. We talked about your family who was at the trials and they were related for you. We talked about your coach at Nevada. We talked about your psychologist, your coach now who runs your schedule for you. You said you don't even really know what your schedule looks like going in. Talk to us about the team that's around you and what they put into your success and how much you need to lean on them. Yeah, I mean, going this whole last year, um, we have team, it's called Team 5 Sports Performance, and it's part of the U.S. Um, Olympic Committee, and there's um, sports psychologists, nutritionists, uh, my weights coach, uh, sports medicine, and um, I don't know what the fifth one is, I'm blanking right now, but um, all of the like team five has really truly been here for me through these times because these times have been some of the hardest times that I've faced as an athlete. Um, so they've been super helpful along my journey to the Olympic Games this year. And uh, I mean, my family has been there for me through it all. Um, they've been there for the good times and the, the hard times and the bad times. So um, they, I mean, my parents get the phone call when I'm crying and I need help. Like they've really seen me at my low, um, but they've also been there at my highs. And so that's really been awesome. And just my coaches, my, my weights coach, my diving coach, 
um, my, you know, psychologist, who's my mental coach, like all of that has really played a role into getting me to where I am as well here too. Um, I mean, during COVID, my coach was at the apartment three days a week, coaching us, um, doing our, our somersaults. Like she was there through it all. And it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. We're picture this. We're That's so crazy in my friend's apartment. The ceiling is barely high <laughs> enough to do somersaults in. And yeah, it was pretty funny. And she's there coaching us as if we're diving, you know, it's like the epitome of dedication. Yeah, this is awesome. Chasing oh, chickens man. like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Those are some of our hardest trainings. We do fast somersaults. And so we do um, three to five sets of 10 somersaults as fast as you can. And it's up onto a mat. So you're literally climbing in elevation. <laughs> put, it, put it that way, but. Yeah, so it's unbelievable, but uh, yeah, that was us during COVID. We we tried to make the best of it, um, but yeah, I mean, in my community, my my university, they've all just really supported me and given me the resources that I need to make this dream a reality too. So there's just you know, it takes a village to raise a champion, and that is honestly <laughs> nothing but the truth. You gotta put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> can can we dig a little further into your relationship with your parents? I I just want to get your insight on any parents that are listening. How can we as parents be supportive of our kids without being overbearing? Especially our our motivated, disciplined kids. Yeah. You know, I loved my parents how they they loved watching me do what I loved. And so they've always motivated me to pursue what I enjoyed to do. And if I didn't enjoy it, that next day I was out of whatever I was doing. They, they just gave me that freedom to really choose my own path and my own destiny. And um, I think that really played a big role in my independence as an athlete and learning how to work hard in the dark, um, you know, when no one's watching. And so, um, as for parenting, they, like, they were just the most supportive parents. They didn't know much about gymnastics, trampoline or diving. I mean, they've learned as, as time has gone on about each sport, but I like the fact that I could go and I could do my training and, and then come back home. And they're just parents to me. They're not my coaches. Um, they're not my psychologists. They're not, they don't play any role other than parents in my life and supporting me in my goals and my dreams and helping me pursue it. And I mean, there were times in my career where, I mean, I'm from the small town, uh, the small town of Gardnerville, Nevada, and it's just having the opportunity to pursue athletics at an elite level is really hard to come by in a small town. And so um, I mean, there were many times where we didn't have the facility that we needed, you know, our, we'd put the trampoline in the, in the gym and the ceiling's too low. Like we had to control how high we jumped in order to not hit the ceiling and like things like that, where there's roadblocks of, you know, not having the, the right facility or the right coaches that, you know, they drove me up to Reno, Nevada, which is an hour away from where we lived at five days, almost six days a week to just get the quality coaching that, that I needed in order to pursue my dreams. And I mean, for any parent out there, just the best thing you can do is just support your child and the dreams that they have and help give them all the opportunities to, to make those dreams a reality. I mean, my parents have done just that and I'm just so thankful for, for them in my career. Were, were there any times when you were a kid that you were so frustrated, you thought you were ready to give up and they talked you off a ledge? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I remember this one competition I went to and I had these, my shoulders were, I don't know what had happened, but I literally felt like I had had shoulder surgery on both my arms and I needed to compete 
um, a new vault, a new skill arm vault that I had never competed before. And I was in the bathroom with my mom and she was helping me put on my leotard because I couldn't even like put my arms up to do it myself. And, you know, and I remember her in the bathroom, like saying, just encouraging me and, you know, obviously listening to what I'm going through and being sympathetic but also really believing in me and knowing that I could do it because I think in that moment I was ready to give up and she was my backbone there just saying no like Krista you've got this you can do this I know you have it in you and I think you know we're not always gonna have it in us to encourage ourselves and to motivate ourselves to push through roadblocks but my my mom and my dad have truly been there many times that's just one of them that i can <laughs> name <laughs> i can just imagine there there are quite a few of those as a an elite athlete how'd you oh, perform yeah. that vault with your double rotator cuff surgery or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i she had given me some ibuprofen so that helped out <laughs> and um i do remember completing that that vault and i was i was felt really proud of myself yeah those moments that just build on top of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess as a parent, they're taking those as opportunities, just like we were talking about earlier, taking those as opportunities as for, to be teaching that mm -hmm. mental toughness. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about more about that mental toughness. Cause you, you have it like you are the poster child for it. We've determined that already. But we hear about not having facilities or, or opportunities around us to do something like you've done, but it sounds like you have created those opportunities out of nowhere whenever they showed up. You obviously had a good support system, your parents driving you. What kept you going whenever you're in a gym where the ceiling's too short to practice what you need to practice? Like there's an opportunity there to give up that is justified and you keep going. What is that? Really for me, it's just been the love of the sport. Uh, my dad's two rules, three rules actually, he'd say, have fun, be the hardest working gymnast out there or trampolinist or diver. And then rule three is go back to number one and remember to have fun. And I love that he always said that. That was throughout my whole childhood and my career. It's like, that is why I, I remember why I do what I do is when, when those hard times hit and come, which they do many times and they're bound to happen. It's always remembering the why, why do I do this? And it's truly because I love the sport. I love being able to be an inspiration to the people around me, to kids around me. So I get so many direct messages from kids just saying, I look up to you and I want to be like you. And that just is the best compliment to me because I was one of those kids. I remember looking up to elite athletes and thinking like, I want to be like this person. And just for them to take a moment, respond to that direct message and be like, yeah, you got it in you or like something positive back, keep doing what you're doing or something. And just being an inspiration to those around me is really another reason why I remember I do what I do. Keep inspiring. Ah. <laughs> Thanks. That's, that's great. Bring, brings us back to those kids again. Do you have a, a thing just for kids in general, or is it just giving back to the sport? Oh, any motivation I can give. I mean, there's been a few schools around me that say, can you come speak to our kids? And I, I love to do stuff like that. I like to go speak to the kids because I think, you know, our day and age is so much social media and it's, it's dictated by, whatever, like whatever people see and kids see these days is, is just not motivating and empowering and encouraging them to chase after their own dreams. It's really them comparing themselves to others. And that's just social media. And so if I get the chance to, to speak to young kids, I like, I love to do that. And yeah, just be a little motivator along there youth <laughs> their youth lives <laughs> a little positivity <laughs> goes a long way <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's true so cool so what are you what are you most excited about going to tokyo just in general like that's pretty cool <laughs> i'm excited about well i hope 
we're able to get some sushi while I'm over there. That is one thing I, I love sushi and I'm lucky enough. I've been to Japan before and I have tried their sushi and it's unbelievable. It's, it makes me want to go back for more. And so yeah, sushi, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Japanese people are so nice and they're like, so sweet. They seem so sweet and lovable and they always bow and arigato. They always say thank you. And it just like, I'm always, I don't know. I feel like it's just a very sweet natured culture. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to being surrounded by some, some other people, other culture. I love to see other people's culture. It's just, yeah, kids, kids and everybody need to travel because it's such a great opportunity to see other cultures and know that America is not just what life is about. Yes. Say that louder. So the people at the back can hear it. I, yes. <laughs> yes, we are. What are you talking about? I know. I really, yeah. I could really expand upon that, but <laughs> are you going to get the opportunity? Well, so you get there and it's about three weeks, I guess, a little bit longer than that on the 17th. Are you going to have an opportunity either on before your events or after your events to be immersed in the culture a little bit, to explore, you know, do some touristy things, or are you pretty much in it when you get there to when you leave? You know, I, especially because of COVID and the restrictions that are placed on Japan right now, um, it makes traveling and stuff like that hard. So Basically, we're going to be there, have the opening ceremony. We're going to be living the athlete village life, which will be awesome. And um, I'm looking forward to just being surrounded by all the other athletes of all different sports and just everything. And so um, other than that, I think it'll just be athlete village and take the bus to the pool and back. So um, for my own health, I think I would, I would prefer it that way. I can, I can travel on my own, on my own someday in the future and really, really ex explore Tokyo when I want. <laughs> that dedication going through again. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm going to travel. <laughs> the decisions. <laughs> when I don't have to make those sacrifices, I'm going to travel. <laughs> uh, even just that though, the sacrifice of like, we're here, even if you're done with your event, it's a risk to step out of the village to go explore. I'll, I'll do that later. I, I don't know anybody that has that kind of dedication and commitment. Crazy. <laughs> what it takes to be an Olympian. Yeah, there you go. That's I don't know any other Olympian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm just coming to find out what it takes to be the Olympian. I'm just learning these things. <laughs> you've been living it. Yeah. You've been living it. You've had it your whole life. You're just finally made it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Take 24 years in the making, really. <laughs> I was doing the math earlier and I was like, man, that is a long time. That's a lot of hard work, but you made it. You did it. You did it. How can we take that to other places of our lives? Just like, what advice would you give to somebody who is in business or in, you know, something besides sports to be able to take 20, to make 24 years of work? before you get to your goal? Consistency. That's really, I think the biggest thing that I've learned in life is, you know, you can work hard all at once, all in one day. And then the next day you're just drained. And then maybe for the next two days, you're drained. And um, I read a book and it's called The Slight Edge. And it's about doing those small mundane things every single day. And those just build upon each other um, based on you know how much you did and it's not about doing it all at once it's it's really consistent effort every single day but enjoying it while while you're doing it you know I think that's what life is about we're we're blessed to be on this earth and I think we have a lot of opportunities out there that you know we can we can chase after or we can sit back and let them roll right past us. And so I think that's really the biggest thing is, you know, consistent effort. I think hard work really pays off. If you put in the hard work, it'll pay off. Just don't know how long it'll take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it'll be worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah. And it could be completely different, right? Like you started this out 24 years ago thinking you're going to be a gymnast. 
And then you thought, oh, trampoline's definitely the thing. And now you're diving. <laughs> like, what would you say to your five-year-old self that is such, or even like eight-year-old that's really getting into gymnastics, that this is the goal. I know I'm going to be Olympian that like, you don't really know what this is going to become. What do you say to that little? Keep going. <laughs> I think, you know, keep working hard, like all that hard work that I did as a kid really transferred over into what I'm doing now, whether it's in my diving career or I just learned that good work ethic when I was a kid to to carry on to my career, all of that. Um, but I mean, take the opportunities that come, I think that's, you know, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's intimidating to go towards the new path. And I think, you know, a lot of times we shy away from those opportunities because we're fearful. And so really, I think just, I would say, don't be fearful, just go at it full force and all in. I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I've learned through all of this journey. Is there anything you're fearful of? Obviously, this is not a fear of yours, performing on the biggest stage in front of everybody. Oh. We'll get your stomach in knots. Oh, man. It's typically like, uh, well, I can't do underwater caves. I like cannot do that. I know that's so random, but <laughs> I'll, get, I'll go a halfway through an underwater cave. And even though I'm halfway, I can't complete it. I just go swim back the other way. <laughs> I'm so scared of that. I feel like most of us haven't even had the opportunity to be scared of an underwater cave. <laughs> I don't know if I'm scared of that. Yeah, That is not oh, what I, I was expecting. I, you know, <laughs> Lake Tahoe is my backyard. And so you know, we've got a lot of rocks and, you know, there's scuba divers that explore and no, 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 that's not for me. Nope. <laughs> wow. I was I, like speaking in public or, you know, something like that. Nope. Cave diving. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit fearful, but as I'm like getting more speaking engagements like this, that's really helping me um, create some confidence in, in speaking, because I think one day I really, I really do have a story to tell and I'm, I'm grateful for it, but I don't want to just do nothing with it. I think I can use it to empower other people. And so, um, yeah, that's another thing where it's, it's fearful, but like, you got to go all in, like chase after it and, you know, tackle those fears because you never know what's on the other side. That's a good life lesson right there. Yeah. If you were to sum up your, your life lesson, give it a motto to inspire others, what would you hang on it as a tagline? Do you have a tagline? A tagline. Um, I, I mean, my hashtag is um, KP fly high. And it's just like, it reminds me to just fly high, like just chase after the big dreams. I, you know, don't go after the small the small ones, like might as well dream big, fly high. <laughs> so you've got the Olympics coming up in a few weeks. You've got long-term big dreams of an MBA and some coaching stuff after the Olympics. What's next? Like what is, what's next on the horizon? You know, I'm kind of living moment by moment at this point. Um, I think that's how opportunities have kind of placed themselves in my life. It's just, you know, there, I kind of take it moment by moment when I come back is really, I'll have a better feel of when um, I'm going to maybe get back into training and go for it again. Um, in 2024, I would love my family to be able to travel to an Olympic games and be there. Um, it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment that they can't be there in Tokyo. Um, so I think we could give it another go around. Um, but I mean, other than that, I'm just full force going to come back and pursue that MBA and try to get that done and um, maybe get into coaching, uh, like a head coaching job. If I can, if I can do that. That'd be great. That's the plan. So your break from the Olympics is an MBA. Yeah. <laughs> do something with your life, would you? Start until <laughs> September. So I got the all of August to just enjoy summer and and yeah, enjoy life. <laughs> you get a sweet suntan around that big gold medal you're going to have, or there two of them. <laughs> <laughs> sweet tan lines. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
you mentioned opportunity a couple of times and you say you just keep jumping on them as they come. What do you think it is about you that allows opportunity to knock? Like that seems to be the, the idea behind this, right? And as opportunity just shows up, you got to be ready to catch it. It sounds like every time you're in a transition, opportunity just boom there. Is there something about you that leads to that? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people really see my positive like outlook on life. And I think, uh, I don't know if maybe that's why opportunities come to me. Um, I think, you know, people are always looking to, to work alongside people with great attitudes and good work ethic. I mean, people know how hard I've worked in my athletics that I think they know how hard I could work in a career. And so I, I want to say maybe work ethic and a positive attitude in life and just in general, maybe, maybe kind of brings those opportunities my way. Um, I, I can't say for sure. I don't know. It's <laughs> good. Well, Krista, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Uh, I'm inspired. And we are cool. we're, we're rooting thank you on you for sure. Thank you guys so much. This was just so much fun chatting with you. And just you guys having interest in my journey is really special. Yeah, it's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. And for people that are inspired by you, which hopefully there, there are going to be thousands of people inspired by you and your story, how can some people connect with you once we put this out, how can we showcase you a little bit more, get people to be able to follow you in your journey? Yeah, I think the platform that I use the most is Instagram and it's just at Krista Palmer and spelled K-R-Y-S-T-A Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R. And um, I also have like a fan page on, on Facebook. It's called Cheering for Krista and um, Twitter. I mean, at Palmer Krista. So it's opposite. Um I think for people wanting to follow my journey, that's probably the best bet. And um, we'll see what opportunities come from there. <laughs> yeah. So excited for you. Two events in Tokyo. Good luck in both. We are going to be 100% cheering you on and supporting you. And we know your family will be, but good luck with all that you're doing out there. Thanks, Brandon. And thanks, Travis, so much. This yeah. awesome. Thank you Great so much for podcast being experience. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good. Thanks, Krista. All right, Krista. Take care. All right. Thanks, you guys, too. Bye-bye.